0: All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. As you've known, we've had a couple of Baseball Hall of Fame writers who vote for the actual Hall of Fame come on the past couple of weeks, but now with the announcement less than a week away, we figured a nice capstone to this whole Hall of Fame trend is we have the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame on with us today, Josh Rawich. So let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan Campion joined alongside Matt Potter and Harry Kilman. And guys, we have a really special episode today. Before we introduce our guest, how are you guys doing? I'm
1: doing well. Get ready to interview a fellow Hoosier, but
0: yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm I'm doing well too. Still no sign of sun in South Bend. I know the last time I was on an interview, we hadn't seen sun and I still haven't, so... Waiting for that day, hopefully soon.
0: Absolutely. Well, today we are talking, of course, as we just previously mentioned with Josh Rawich, who is the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame Museum. He spent time in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization and Los Angeles Dodgers organization, as well as Harry just mentioned, Indiana University, where Harry goes right now. Mr. Rawich, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. I appreciate the intro music. I just had somebody outside my office ask if I'm having a dance party in here. So, you know, the uh, the walls are thin at the Hall of Fame.
0: absolutely so I think the main question and probably haven't listened to one of these interviews before but the main thing we tend to ask and it's sort of an open-ended you're going to get to lead where this conversation goes type of thing but most of our audience is high school college and maybe a little bit older than us and don't really know much about the sort of baseball industry how did you get to this sort of great position that you're in right now and that sort of career journey that you've been on
3: Man, so much of it. Um, it's, it's, there's no doubt, obviously, luck plays a role in anything. And, and when I was in Harry's shoes, a freshman in Indiana, I took an intro to sports management class. And uh, the professor said, don't be afraid to send your resume to your hometown team. You never know what'll happen. And I grew up in Los Angeles and was a Dodger fan and somehow um, fired off a resume and got an interview and landed an internship, which um, is I, just a crazy thing to think about. You just, that wouldn't happen for a freshman nowadays, but the world was different in 1995 and um, far less people going for these sorts of roles. And and then once I got my foot in the door, I really never, never, never walked out. I mean, I've been in baseball since I was 18 years old. Um, love the sport as much as probably all you guys do. And um, it's been a huge part of my life since I was a kid, but started as an intern and have slowly worked my way up into into this role here in Cooperstown.
2: Awesome. So I guess kind of digging a little bit deeper into that, um, like some advice, I guess, maybe that you would give to someone who's trying to break into the industry. Cause you, like you've said, it's, it's changed drastically. How there's probably not as many opportunities for, for people in our shoes, um, you know, where mostly opportunities are probably for seniors or graduate students or graduates of college. Um, I guess, what, what would you give advice to people like Dylan Harry or myself trying to get into the baseball industry?
3: you know very you know in, in various different capacities yeah i mean there the it, the opportunities are harder to get but they are definitely out there i mean certainly the fact that now i mean what you guys are doing creating a podcast you you've created something for your resume volunteering i remember when i was a freshman before i got my internship uh, at the dodgers they had the student athletic board at indiana and it was literally nothing more than just i think setting up for for the tailgates and whatever helping do just anything that you can do to put stuff on your resume, and I, um, I have a nephew who's in your guy's shoes as well. He's a sophomore now, but he he didn't he didn't know anybody, and he fired off a resume and got an internship at a spring training complex at, at ASU, and then wound up leading that to a, a, a operational job at the Oakland A's. So I mean, they, they are out there. I'd say that the best advice I can give is um, go out and you got to make your own luck. You gotta you gotta reach out to people, whether it's. LinkedIn certainly one way, but finding people on social media the way Dylan found me, or staying in touch with anybody. I mean, we you will be surprised how many people remember when they were in your shoes. They want to help somebody who's who's young and and eager. And then um, just keep building this this database of people you know. Stay in touch with them, and um, the opportunities are definitely out there. Frank, frankly, probably more internships than when I was when I was going for it, but um, just far less people interested. So it's it's daunting, but don't be don't think you have to know somebody. I mean, a lot of people make you feel like, oh, if you don't have any connections, you can't get in. I didn't have any connections, and I somehow landed in my dream job at 18, and I've been doing it ever since. So um, yeah, do there's a lot of easy things you can find online, whether it's through, like I said, LinkedIn or social media, but there's also old school. Pick up the phone, make a phone call, and hey, ask, hey, who's who's hiring? The in- Can you let me know who the intern manager is at the Mariners for marketing and they'll let you know and then you send them an email and you've immediately jumped ahead of 500 people who's, who just went on teamwork online and sent it in that way. So I could probably give all sorts of endless advice, but that's probably enough uh, grandstanding for the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be remiss of me not to ask how, you know, being a Hoosier really set you up. But, you know, maybe we could go a little bit more broadly and say how really did your undergraduate experience really help you and propel you into a career in professional baseball you know, more so on the executive side of things.
3: Well, it really was. I mean, this is not just a selling point for Indiana, but I mean, when I, when I got my internship at the Dodgers and I came back, I had been in marketing and it was really more kind of advertising and special events was what we, the department was called before you really had a marketing department. Um, And when I got back to IU, I spent my junior and senior year in the sports information department, which for those who don't know is essentially the kind of PR department for, for IU athletics. So I wound up getting to do all sorts of cool things with Indiana football and basketball, but I also got to work with Indiana soccer and Indiana baseball and Indiana wrestling. I, I didn't know anything about wrestling, and I didn't like soccer when I started doing it, but um, that that experience in the SID, um, it changed everything. It made me realize, okay, what I really like about being in the sports industry is sports PR and communications and writing news releases, and nowadays that's all the social media department that probably runs out of there too. So it's um, that really set me on my path, because then when I when I graduated college and again, kind of dumb luck and timing, the Dodgers had an opening right when I was graduating college. Maybe that doesn't happen and maybe I don't I never worked for the Dodgers. But as it turned out, I got a full time job in the marketing department for a couple of years. But when something opened up in PR, I thought that's where I really want to be. And it was I was able to look back at my undergraduate work. And I, the 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 key is is if I if I'm talking to somebody who's wanting to work in baseball, and you go to a, a major university that has a D1 program, and you're not doing something with them, my question is, what have you been doing? I mean, we all we all like to party, we all like to have a good time in college, and there's plenty of time for that. But there was also plenty of time for me to get involved in IU athletics, and and I did that, and it, it allowed me to, by the time I was graduating, have a pretty impressive resume and open up those opportunities for me
0: absolutely and then pushing farther into your careers you just mentioned there was a nice opportunity with the Dodgers as soon as you graduated and then further on you worked with the Diamondbacks and then eventually now transitioned to the Baseball Hall of Fame what was that part of your journey like and I know probably working with the Dodgers as you just mentioned a dream goal but then obviously going on to the Diamondbacks and then even farther now it's sort of the head of the Baseball Hall of Fame
3: I mean, I grew up a huge Dodger fan. So to have 15, I thought I was going to spend my whole career there. There was never any thought that I would do anything other than work for the Dodgers and maybe someday work my way up to a, a big position there. And I did. Obviously, ultimately, I got to be a vice president at the Dodgers and absolutely loved it. But the opportunity came from a former boss of mine. This is a great example of you never know. You never know when when you get your foot in the door. Um, I was an intern at the Dodgers and I was like, somebody had told me, hey, go out and talk to people that aren't just in your department. And so I wandered into the PR department and I went and found the assistant PR director who was like 26 years old. I was eight and it turned out that guy went on to become the president of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, if I had just stayed to my own department, I would have never known Derek and never realized like the impact he would have on my career, but ultimately getting to know him led to an opportunity where he was looking for a senior vice president to to run a number of departments in Arizona. And he called and said, "Hey, what would you ever think about moving your family to Arizona and coming out here with me?" Um, And I, you know, at the time, the Dodgers—you guys are a little young, but you may remember—they they they had two owners who were going through a divorce and they bankrupted. It was a whole giant mess. And I didn't know who the new owners of the team was going to be. And I thought, you know what? Here I have a a mentor of mine who wants me to go be a leader in Arizona. So I figured I'll do it for a year or two and then see where it leads us. And ten years later, we were still really, really happy, continuing to take on more and more responsibility. So that's another big thing is just oh, I, I was always willing when, when there was something nobody wanted to do, I would go in and say, hey, I'm, I'll, I'll tackle it. I can learn from that. And um, every time there was an opportunity for me to try to add another department to my area of oversight or even just learn from the other people in the building, I would always try to do that. And so it, more than anything, what I got in Arizona was, I think, a lot of lessons in leadership and what it takes to run an organization. And, and Derek Hall, who was my boss there, was was great about putting me in rooms that I really, frankly, had no business being in. It wasn't it wasn't part of my job, but he would say, come in here and, and we're negotiating with Granky right now. And I would somehow sit in there when we did the $206 million deal with Zach or um, travel with him overseas to Japan and Mexico and spend time in the Oval Office of the Dominican Republic. And suddenly you kind of realize, okay, he's teaching me how to lead and what to do. And, uh, and so when this opportunity came up here in Cooperstown, um, I felt prepared for it. And and uh, and when they said, hey, would you ever think about doing that? I thought, that's a really cool, that's a really, really cool job. I got I to gotta at least look into it. And here we are.
1: And, you know, now that you've kind of worked on both sides of the spectrum, you've worked in more individual organizations, and now that you're a part of the Kind of overarching hall of fame that isn't necessarily uh, partial to any particular organization. How have you noticed that it's different on that front? You know, working for one organization and then working for somebody that kind of encompasses everything and can't be biased or in any facet, you know, partial to one another.
3: Yeah, it's very, very different. I mean, you're 100% right. I, I can't, I mean, look, the, my predecessor was a Red Sox fan and I, before that, that was somebody at the Angels, and that you you're not going to hide your fandom. Interestingly, I kind of lost my Dodger fandom when I went to the Diamondbacks. As you spend 10 years there and and I'm probably more of a D-backs fan now than the Dodgers, but ultimately what I love, I love the history of the game. I love waking up every night every morning and seeing what happened the night before in all 15 games. So, it doesn't um I I think the, the biggest difference is that a there's not a there's not an outcome at the end of every day, and that's something that you kind of get addicted to when you spend 27 years with a team basically every night I would come home and we either won or we lost and there was the adrenaline rush and there's all the thousands of people and the drive home you're like trying to wind down from a a big win or a close loss and um when you don't have that here you definitely notice it um I was ready to make that change after 27 years I kind of like coming home at the end of the day and then having dinner with my family and seeing my kids and um, I've loved living in this incredible commute cooperstown's an unbelievable place to live. It's just a and, and I should give a plug for our internship program because you do have so many people. Um, our deadline is actually coming up in about 10 days um the end of this month. but if you go to baseballhall.org internship you'll see it's really one of the best programs out there. Um, we do way more than just like it's a 10 week program over the summer and you just have the best summer of your life. Um, but so I, ultimately, um, I don't remember what made me go down, start talking about that. But I guess I just, uh, I I do miss the the team side of things, but I love what I'm doing now and um, I couldn't be in a better spot.
0: 100%. And I know that Cooperstown, the city itself, at least, I know I've been up there. I don't know if Matt, Harry, you guys have probably been up there too. As huge. Baseball fans, Matt, Chik, you know, Matt, you got to get up there sometime this summer, but it's a really cool city to be in. And obviously as the president, there's probably a ton of really cool moments sort of that comes with your job. I know one of those is probably, I think it's four days away from now, technically maybe three by the time we are listening to this episode, the Hall of Fame announcement where you're up at the podium with that envelope that holds the fate of whether anyone reached 75% or anything like that. But what would you say is maybe, maybe it is that announcement, but the coolest part of your job, is it meeting all these Hall of Famers when people get elected? Is it that announcement on MLB Network where you hold the fate of, did anyone get in? And there's probably thousands of watchings trying to figure out what happened. What is sort of that coolest moment? Or sort of that I'm the president of base Operations, and this is what I do.
3: Yeah, I mean, it it um it, it's a few of the, certainly a few of those things. I mean, that being being the person that reveals that on national TV is not something I ever dreamed of or ever thought was possible. So it, it is it is it is in fact a cool thing. And um, interestingly, for for the IU people listening to this, um, the fact that Scott Rowland is is one of the main guys that's that's close and lives in Bloomington, Indiana, is actually really pretty cool. Um, being on stage for induction kind of boggles my mind. Like when you, when you're, it's literally all the living hall of famers, uh, our chairman of the board, Jane Forbes, Clark and the commissioner and me, like that just doesn't, that does not make sense that I would be sitting on a stage like that and I'll never feel like I belong there, but I, I recognize that my role gets to put me in that spot and you look around and it's your childhood baseball card collection that just came to life around you. So, um, certainly getting to spend time around some of the greatest people and get to know these the, the people who are the absolute best ever at their job is is one of the cool things but i i will say that when i was your guys age i definitely um i think the coolest part was oh, i get to meet all my heroes and I'm, I'm around all these dodgers that i grew up loving and i think as time has gone on what i've what i've really come to love about this job and the ones before it is that you? You because of this this logo on my chest, because of who I represent. You you do things every day that people are going to remember for the rest of their life. Like I, I I might just walk into the plaque gallery and say hello to somebody and and tell them give them a, a pack of baseball cards and they're going to remember that. Hey, the president of the Hall of Fame came and get or introduce them to their favorite player or even just send a note on letterhead that they're going to keep because of what it, my position says it is. It's just to be able to have an impact like that. Um, It's less about kind of, hey, who's famous that I can get to know and more. What kind of impact can you have on all these people who love the game? It's a it's a really powerful thing. And most people, most people go their whole lives and don't get to work in in positions where the things that they do that are part of their everyday life are things that people are going to remember for as long as they live. That's a pretty crazy, cool thing.
2: Yeah, totally like building off of that. Um, you know, people say the game could potentially be trending towards dying and, and, you know, maybe the popularity is not as big amongst, you know, kids our age or younger. And I know the, get you know, the, the MLB is trying to speed up the game, trying to do different things to, to make it more exciting and, and trying to get younger people involved. But I guess, do you feel a responsibility in your role, um, to, to try to, like you said, to try to have an impact on people, to try to keep them excited about baseball or get them excited about baseball, um or do you feel like you know this is just part of who you are part of your job sort of
3: thing well I definitely feel a responsibility to the as kind of the one of the stewards of the history of the game I mean I feel like our job is less MLB is doing some great stuff to try to like you said speed up the pace of the game and try to get more balls in play and all the sorts of things that we know they're doing we don't obviously have any say in that but our job is to document the history of that and so I mean, things like the pitch com, the ear, earpieces or the big bass, I'm sure, will wind up bringing in artifacts that help tell the story so that 30 years from now when someone looks back and says, wow, baseball really gained popularity back in the, the 2020s, you'll know why. And so I do feel that responsibility. Um, and I, I do think, look, I've got a 12-year-old who loves the game insanely. I mean, he's on MLB The Show all the time, and he's playing nonstop. And I just – I if you watch the WBC in March – you would not say that the sport is dying. If anything, you'd say it's growing globally. And it's, um, yes, there are more sports to choose from. So back when baseball was, was drawing huge numbers and TV ratings, you didn't have the internet to deal with. You didn't have MMA or skateboarding or X games or whatever random. There's a lot of new things that are taking people's attention. But baseball is still, I mean, I think it's 80 million people a year are going to the ballpark. And on any given night, even in a town like Arizona where 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 the Diamondbacks are new, it's the number one watch show throughout the entire summer is Diamondbacks baseball, and that's not the Red Sox or the Reds or the Yankees or the Braves. That's the Diamondbacks who are still pretty new. So I just it is definitely the the, the popularity, of this, popularity of the sport has changed for sure, um, and I think it's more regionalized and people don't watch games of the week as much. They kind of watch their home team, on, but it's. Um, It's from our standpoint, our job is to really document the history of it and make sure that um, whatever story is to be told about baseball 100 years from now, that this building, which is 84 years old, that it's still going to be around 84 years from now, telling the story of the superstars of 2047.
0: (laughs) I think adding on to that point, what a lot of people might not realize is that there are all these really cool artifacts in the Hall of Fame. I know what most people think of is, The Hall of Fame inductions and the plaques and all the gold and the superstars in that wing. And obviously, that is a really important part of it and one that most people know and love. But there is that other section that you just mentioned where there's all these different artifacts. I assume there will be a pitch clock or a pitch comm eventually. There's, I know one thing that I saw that it's like the Edwin Diaz trumpet or that Mr. Met played is in the Hall of Fame now. And there's all these really cool artifacts, old gloves from the 1910s, 1920s. But sort of, what is it like? And before we hit record, you mentioned that. Your office is like in the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is something that Harry Potter, we definitely feel that's like a really cool, imagine that your office is there. We're probably thinking that, you know, our office are in, I'm in a common room right now and Matt and Harry are in sort of dorm rooms, but you're literally, you could probably walk outside your office and be staring at Babe Ruth's Hall of Fame plaque, which is really incredible for us to think about. But what is it like that sort of sacred building and being in that amazing place I'm stalling a little bit because I see you're coughing, but I appreciate, <laughs> you doing,
3: I appreciate you. I appreciate you dragging that question on while I choke <laughs> in my office here. I put it on mute so you wouldn't have to hear that. Um, <clears throat> I think that is one of the things that most people don't realize is that it, we are way more than just a black gallery. There is three music, three floors of museum, and so we're a very serious museum, just like the Smithsonian or any other you'd go to where we're very careful about the way we preserve all the artifacts, and store them and make sure that they're going to be here for generations to come. And I literally, like, as you were talking, I picked up a, <clears throat> just a baseball that I have that I got at Wrigley field in 2014 on the hundredth year of of Wrigley field. Literally, this is just this, I've had in my office since I was in Wrigley in 2014, but the building is absolutely filled with stuff that will boggle a baseball fan's mind. And the plaque gallery is one of them. There's no question that's one of the popular spots when people come but whoever your favorite team is we have a locker where you can go up if you're a brewers fan and you can see 10 15 artifacts from recent years Brewers history from the last from a no hitter this year maybe by by burns or brian braun or cecil cooper i mean it's every generation is represented and so and for every team and i think that's um i mean i could there there are days i walk down into the the storage area we have forty thousand artifacts and only about Four thousand of them are upstairs, <clears throat> and I'll will walk by a box that says Ruth or Garrick or Mays, and you just can't. I mean, there's Willie Mays's glove from the Catch, the the Catch, the one that everybody knows, is is on display at the Hall of Fame, and Babe Ruth's bat is there, and Mike Trout's spikes are here, and Shohei Otani's shin guards are here. like just incredible stuff all up and down these halls, and uh, I don't. I think most baseball fans think. Oh yeah, it's it's a cool place with the plaque gallery and they give speeches and they they these guys get inducted. But like you said, it's a uh, it's mind blowing. And to have an office in here, it, it just doesn't even make any sense. It's literally like you said, fifty yards behind not even twenty-five yards behind me, I'm standing in the middle of, of most incredible baseball Mecca.
1: You know, now that there are the rise of all these different sports in America, the NFL NBA, obviously baseball is America's pastime. And one of the greatest things that we love about baseball is its culture and its rich history and the museum aspect of it where there's so much background behind everything. How do you think that, you know, as somebody who works for the hall of fame, Is there any interaction between sports like, oh, the NFL Hall of Fame does this? We want to, you know, maybe draw inspiration from it. I know that baseball is very unique in the whole voting process and how public and how um, how much of a show and a debacle that can sometimes be. But is there any interaction between different sports and some of the styles or techniques that they employ with their Hall of Fame arrays?
3: yeah absolutely great question because i mean i actually just interestingly that you mentioned the, the pro football hall of fame the The guy who has my job there actually used to work here like four offices down the hall and he's he's um so we just last week had a we we do a pretty semi-regular call with with him myself the um he's now at the rock and roll hall of fame i'm sorry i'm confusing greg who used to work here is at the rock and roll hall of fame but the pro football hall of fame was also on that call with us as was um the country music hall of fame and so we we do all talk to each other quite a bit, try to steal each other's best ideas. Um, I was fortunate when we were at the the World Series in 21 in Atlanta, we went down to the College Football Hall of Fame, and they, I, they, I got 20 ideas from walking around there. They have an incredible interactivity to theirs where you walk in and you let them know where you went to college. And so I, I type in Indiana and whatever. I put it into a little system, and they give me a credential around my neck. And then everywhere I go, the technology is reading the the – Code, the code on my on my credential and so it's the whole experience is tailored towards a big 10 iu fan as opposed to a Pac Pac 12 berkeley fan and so it's a completely different experience if you're doing that and i think we'll learn from those sorts of things we're looking to add some more interactives into our building here both this year and in the years to come and we're always kind of not just halls of fame not just other sports i mean, we're always trying to steal the best ideas and hopefully people see what we do and steal some of our ideas and i think that's um as someone told me a long time ago there are no new ideas they're all just recycled from someone else I'm not sure i fully believe that i don't think electric cars were probably things that uh, that's that's, that's a pretty new idea and some of the others but um anyway yeah lots of lots of good stuff that we take from other places we talk to
2: um so i kind of want to jump back to something you were talking about with your career not to not to get too jumping around here but um you were talking about how when you were in the Dodgers and the diamondbacks organization, you would have to go for a you, know, you, you willingly went from, you know, one department to another division, to another division and kind of jumped around, you know, as someone who's in college, like I'm a business major and like all of my undergraduate training, especially at a school like Mendoza is very kind of like vocational, like I'm going for accounting. Um, granted, like we have the liberal arts and like you get, you get a good deal. And I think that's a lot of schools, but you know, what, how much of a challenge, I guess, would you say it is? And I guess you know this was probably later on in your career, so your your undergrad and and your education may not have played as much of a role. But you know, going from marketing to finance to PR to you know baseball operations, would you say that was a big challenge? I'm sure there was some, you know, some some of somewhat of a challenge, but.
3: Yeah, I mean, it definitely, if you're going to, part of what the challenge is, is convincing the other group that you know what you're doing. Like, you, When I went over to PR, I had to convince them that I wasn't just a marketing person. And so that took, I, I can remember the project that I did that made the guy in PR look over and go, hey, you know, you probably should be in PR. It was, but like, I, it is it is hard, but one of the best pieces of advice, actually, um, the same person who who I cited before who told me, like, go go talk to other people around the building is, Get a broad based background, like pay attention to the other departments. And so, when someone's talking about group sales, you may be a PR person, but pay attention to what they're talking about and understand how that impacts PR and understand how PR can impact group sales. If you're in sponsorship, but somebody's in community affairs, like talk to each other, understand it. And I think it does the more you, the more you kind of get a grasp of the big picture of what's going on in a building, the more you can relate to other people's challenges. And then, if the opportunity comes up, you can you can jump over and I could tell you like when I was what really when I when I first started working in baseball I thought I wanted to be a general manager like that's what I actually thought I wanted to do and I sat down with the Dodgers GM and I asked him how could I how could I be in your shoes one day and interestingly um 15 years later I guess it probably would have been maybe yeah about 15 years later the GM of the Dodgers Ned Coletti was like ready to move me over to baseball ops we talked about it I was going to come in and kind of completely shift from from being the vice president of communications to basically being one of his right-hand people in baseball ops. As it turned out, the Diamondback opportunity came in like a month later. And like I said, the team was being sold at all. It went, but there was, I mean, I earned the trust of somebody in baseball ops to think, hey, you know what? He may not, He's has never held a radar gun and gone out and, and clocked a guy from home to first. But I think he's got the skill set it takes to do what I do And that comes from building relationships and talking to people and, and getting to know what they do and asking a lot of questions. I just, I've always been a question asker. Um, and so I just, yeah, I think you uh, it is, it is in fact challenging to jump from one area to another, but I think the key is figuring out what you really love. And that's sometimes you might go get your internship in corporate partnerships and decide, I thought that's what I wanted to do, but I really don't like that. Now I want to try marketing or I want to try sales or whatever. And, uh, I think it takes a while for you to get pigeonholed as one thing. I think you once you've been in one area for five, six, seven years, it becomes harder to move out of it. But if you get an opportunity to start in sales for a, a team and then it it may lead you down the road of another area, it's okay. You can you you'll be able to find a way to do it.
0: Absolutely. And I know Harry and Matt and I are definitely really appreciative. We were talking with Mr. Josh Rowitz, the president of the baseball hall of fame. We know you've a really Busy schedule. And I'd also like to shout out sort of thanks to Miss Rose Morley, who helped us put together this interview. She did a great job communicating back and forth with us over the past week. I know Matt and Harry and I, one thing, and maybe one final thing that we were really curious about. And I don't know how much of the magic behind the Hall of Fame can get revealed with this question, but when you walk up to the podium on, and I believe it's January 24th, I think it is. So it's this week upcoming. And you have this envelope in your hand that has the name in it. Do you know going into the podium if there's actually someone being elected or is it really live on TV? You open up an envelope and what do you know now? You know that either Scott Rowland, Andrew Jones or unfortunately nobody is a Hall of Famer this year.
3: Yeah, um, I do know because ultimately I think years ago they I I actually don't even play the game of the envelope now. It's I'm, I'm working with a script that I have to write in advance. So I have to know. Um, If I'm going to go on national TV, what I'm going to say. So um, as much as I would like to think it was like the Oscars where they have the whole script and then the very last thing, you just open it up and say a name. um, As you'll see on Tuesday night uh, on MLB Network at six o'clock, you'll see as I'm reading it off, I'm reading if if somebody makes it in, I'll be reading details. So I I don't have much of a heads up. I've got I've got a couple hours. We do let we do let that person know. So um, so they're not finding out. Uh, on that very second we call them in advance to give them a heads up um, that they've that they've been elected. And then about, I don't know, 20 minutes later, we're saying it on TV. So there's a little bit of background intrigue. uh, Take it away. But I I, it is not it is no longer an envelope like the Emmys, where I, I have no idea what's about to come out of my mouth.
0: Absolutely. Well, Matt, Harry, unless there's anything else you guys want to throw in here, we're really appreciative of all the advice hearing about your story. All the way from IU now to the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. All the advice that us, especially as high school college students, can take away from this. We really appreciate all the insight and all the time that you gave us today. So unless there's anything else you else any of you three want to throw in, definitely check out the Hall of Fame announcement on January 24th, 6 p.m. MLB Network, you will hear Mr. Rawich hopefully announcing at least one, if not more names, entering the Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland, who knows? The Indiana Connection. Let's see if that happens this year, but unless there's anything else you guys want to throw in.
3: now uh, just to thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate it, and uh, good, good luck. I, I'm happy to hopefully see all of you guys at Cooperstown when you come out and visit. Maybe some of you guys will be our intern one day, and you'll say you heard about it on, uh, on this podcast itself.
0: Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank be back, you back, guys. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the MLB and NFL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, Harry, that was a great interview just now. It's talking with Josh Rawich of the Baseball Hall of Fame, talking about his career journey that has now led to him to a great position. Your thoughts on our conversation?
1: I thought it was fantastic talking to a fellow IU alum, and we really learned a lot just about how it is going into the business of sports and all the different components of it, working for a team, working for the Hall of Fame. I thought it was a fantastic episode and really a must lesson for all those who want to get into the sports industry.
0: And this is sort of a new approach to an episode talking about people's careers if you really enjoyed that please let us know and we will try to book more guests like this obviously we'll continue talking fun baseball but for more content like this and great interviews upcoming for dylan harry and matt until the next time the side is retired